I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is another Classics Unlocked podcast brought to you by Universal Music and Classics Direct. I'm Graham Abbott. This program delves into some rather recent piano music by one of the most famous of all contemporary composers. Born in Baltimore, Maryland in 1937, Philip Glass is regarded as one of the founding fathers of the musical style known as minimalism. Minimalism in music, which came to the fore in the 1960s, can perhaps be defined as music which reduces one or more of its components to the simplest levels and which uses repetition of these reduced components as a means of expression. It was largely perceived as a reaction to the highly complex modernist scores of composers like Pierre Boulez and Karlheinz Stockhausen, which were seen as alienating and unconcerned with communicating with a wide audience. Minimalism, by and large, used simple, conventional harmonic language and simple, evolving textures, which repeated and developed over long spans of time, techniques which were seen as making music more accessible and less, for want of a better word, scary. From its very beginnings, minimalism has been seen as an American invention, although, of course, many composers in the European tradition have embraced it as it has evolved in the past half-century or so. The two works which are nowadays seen as marking the origins of minimalism are Composition 1960, Number 7, by Lamonti Young, dating from 1960, and In C, by Terry Riley, composed in 1964. Philip Glass began to experiment with minimalist techniques in the mid-60s too, and by the end of the decade, his own performing group, the Philip Glass Ensemble, took his trademark music to the wider world in both recordings and live performances. Glass's composing career has spanned every conceivable genre, from solo instrumental and chamber music to film music and opera. His orchestral works include, at the time of writing, nine symphonies, and I'm proud to say that I conducted the Australian premieres of two of them with the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra in the 1990s. His three portrait operas, his term, 
are among the most frequently performed contemporary works of their kind. They're called Einstein on the Beach, Satyagraha and Akhnaten. In 2017, the brilliant Icelandic pianist Vikingur Olafsson released a new recording on the Deutsche Grammophon label which features the music of Philip Glass. The majority of the disc is given over to Glass's etudes for the piano, and it's these etudes I want to focus on here. Glass's training was initially in violin and flute, but later focused on piano and composition, and the etudes grew in part out of a desire to improve his own playing. Etude is the French word for the noun study. From the early 19th century, composers created sets of etudes, usually for piano, to assist in technical development. In the hands of the best composers, one need only think of Chopin or Debussy, the etude transcended the merely technical to become works of art in themselves. The Philip Glass etudes fall very much into this category. The music we've heard so far in this program is from Glass's 18th etude. In all, there are 20, divided into two books of 10. In the composer's own words, Book 1 had a twin objective, to explore different musical elements, such as tempo or technical issues, and also to serve as a means of improving his own playing. In order to get a taste for the style in Book 1, here is Etude 2 from Olafsson's recording. It encompasses so much that is classic in Glass's style. Rhythmic cells are repeated. Here they comprise alternating bars of 7-8 and 4-4. Extra layers are added, contrasting episodes intervene, and there's a real sense of direction leading to a climax and an unwinding of the tension at the end. Glass's harmonic direction is also easily recognisable, with chords slipping by a semitone into territory which at first is unexpected, but which, over time, becomes very natural.
One of the shorter pieces in Book 1 is Etude 9. It alternates patterns in 5-4 against others in 3-4, and the pianist here has to deal with some rhythmic complexities. The 3-4 bars, for example, require a flawless grasp of playing two beats in one hand against three in the other, while the 5-4 bars contain syncopations, stressed notes off the beat, and rhythmic groupings which work against the time signature. Fascinatingly, despite the seeming repetition, the harmony underneath these rhythms evolves from C minor to A flat major, then on to F minor, in which key the etude finishes. Some of the etudes in Book 1 encompass a completely different mood. Number 5, for example, is tranquil and meditative in the extreme. Here, the rhythmic complexities are largely absent. The accompaniment pattern is established first, setting a stable bass of F minor for the entire piece. Then, a melody of notes off the beat appears like pinpoints of light over the top of this. The subtlest shift in texture occurs about a quarter of the way through when the melody dissolves into notes on the beat. On the final page, all three elements, accompaniment, melody off the beat, and melody on the beat, combine. This is the first half or so of the piece. 
One of the more virtuosic etudes in Book One is number three. Several aspects of piano technique are exercised in this. The predominant 3-4 time signature is played with in such a way as to give a feeling of three beats in the left hand and two in the right. The left hand accompaniment contains passages requiring great accuracy as the music rapidly leaps up and down. The right hand often becomes syncopated against the regular three beats of the left, while over all of this, the composer requires changes in volume, swelling and falling away, louder and softer. Then the music shifts into passages of 7-8 and 4-4 in between the 3-4 sections. It's a tightrope for the pianist to negotiate, as it all has to sound seamless and natural, with a logical sense of direction. This it certainly does in the hands of an artist like Vikingo Olofsson.
In his preface to the 2014 edition of the collected piano etudes, Philip Glass points out that the 20 pieces were written over a quite a long period of time, from 1991 to 2012. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. They grew out of a set of six written as a gift for the conductor, Dennis Russell Davies, who has had a long association with Glass's music. Later etudes were commissioned by a number of organisations, including the Sydney Festival in 1996 and the Perth Festival in 2012. After the composer had arranged ten of them into Book One, the second volume led him into what he calls a series of new adventures in harmony and structure. Book Two contains some stunning and extremely challenging pieces. Number 13, for example, continues a feature we've already encountered, namely rhythmic groupings of twos against threes. Another feature of this particular etude is the challenge of repeated notes, which on a percussive instrument like the piano takes some careful managing. Here, there are repeated notes in the rapid figurations of the left hand and also in the syncopated patterns of the right hand. The etude also contains scale passages, at first in the left hand, then in the right, and eventually in both. Among other technicalities, this etude tests the pianist's ability to relax the hands, especially while playing the repeated notes. The tendency to tense up the hand in music like this is very natural, and this needs to be countered with the ability to play energetic music with a relaxed hand while still sounding energetic.
There are times in the Etudes when glass seems to evoke a more romantic, even dreamy sort of world. Number 15, for example, reminds me of the traditional barcarolle, a lilting sort of piece which evokes the lazy, dreamy movement of a boat on water, and specifically a Venetian gondola on a canal. Gone is the challenging rhythmic complexity, as the whole piece is in 6-4 and devoid of difficult cross rhythms. But in its place is a more subtle requirement to attend to phrasing, to the way musical lines are interpreted so as to make sense to the listener. This is not as easy as it sounds, because Glass inflects these seemingly ordinary phrases with his own spicy turns of harmony, and these need to be expressed and not just played, just as lines of dialogue in a play need to be given meaning and not just said. The requirements of virtuosity, though, are never far away, and in Etude 15, Glass launches the pianist into his trademark whirling triplet patterns, at first in the right hand, while the Barcarolle melody continues in the left, and later in both. This gets even more complex and virtuosic until the final section returns us to the original melody, albeit in a new, more brilliant guise. The journey travelled in this etude, which takes about seven and a half minutes, is rather remarkable and really should be experienced complete. So, here it is.
One piece from the set that I'll mention but not play is the 20th and final etude. The composer himself recognises that this piece, by far the longest of the 20, stands apart from the other. Wikinger Olofsson has performed the glass etudes many times, on occasion in association with the composer himself, and in his notes for this recording he writes the following. Like many others, I was taken by surprise when I first heard the last etude, number 20, that autumnal intermezzo which seems to come from another world entirely than its 19 siblings, whose DNAs have more obvious traits in common. I asked Mr. Glass about it, and he seemed as surprised by this work as I was. His answer has stayed with me. I really don't know. I just found myself out in space in that one. And the music does indeed seem to defy gravity, floating from one tonality to another, gorgeous melodies appearing out of nowhere, only to quickly disappear into the void. Number 20 is a very special piece and requires special listening. I do encourage you to seek out this recording and give this beautiful piece the 12 or so minutes it needs. Orlofsson's 2017 recording includes 10 of the etudes taken from both books in their original form. The other tracks on the album include three of these, numbers 2, 5 and 9, reworked by others. I like the use of the term reworked rather than arranged, because these versions are not just arrangements, but, in a sense, new compositions based on the raw material provided by Philip Glass. Two of these reworkings, numbers 2 and 5, are by the German pianist and producer Christian Bazura, and they feature Olafsson playing with the Sigi string quartet from Iceland. The other reworking is rather different featuring an electronic version of number 9 by the Canadian electronic musician and vocalist Michael Silver, whose stage name is CFCF. The Philip Glass Ensemble, the composer's group which started the journey of his music around the world, was primarily made up of electronic instruments and amplified woodwinds, so this version by CFCF is particularly appropriate. Certainly, Glass's music sounds right at home in an electronic environment as much as it does in the original piano version. We'll end this program with CFCF's version of Glass's Etude No. 9. The recording used in this program is simply called Philip Glass Piano Works. It's a 2017 release on the Deutsche Grammophon label and features the Icelandic pianist Vikingur Olafsson. I hope you've enjoyed exploring this entrancing music as much as I have. Thanks so much for your company. My thanks to Tom Ford for the technical production of the program. I'm Graham Abbott. Catch you next time for more musical explorations in Classics Unlocked.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.